Well, good morning, Willow Park Church. Great to welcome you this morning on this uh, snowy day. Uh, came all over the weekend, didn't it? I mean, we all seem surprised in Kelowna, don't we? We go, oh, it's snowing. <laughs> Where do we live? Canada. Um, but it's always a shock for us to, uh, to do what it is for me to know that it's snowing. But uh, well done for coming this morning. I'm uh, fighting your way through the ice and through the snow, is Pastor Steve said. If you're new, do connect with him and uh, we'd love to know more about you. And Alpha is a brilliant way for you to connect with our community, explore Christianity, understand the fundamentals, be reminded of the fundamentals and really just have a great time. It's in our fireside room and it starts Monday evening. So you can, if you're first time here, thinking, I love like Willow Park Church, it's lovely here. I want to go to something this week. Go to Alpha. Come and join us. And we'd love to see you there and be really excited about that and join us. And, um, and also, maybe you're new to faith and you have no real understanding and you think, I like it. I mean, nice songs, young people, God. But I'm going to go and find out more. That would be excellent as well to discover that and know what, uh, what God is saying to you and speaking to you. We are in the middle and the beginning, in fact, of a series called Rebuild. And we've been looking at a character called Nehemiah. And as we think about Rebuild, we're going to think about something this morning to do with the combination of prayer and action. Because very often, the most difficult place that we're in is we're praying, but sometimes we feel like God is not with us at this time in this difficulty, right? We experience that. And maybe sometimes what we what don't understand is that I believe it is always good to pray. Now, you may not understand why it's always good to pray, but it's always good to pray. It is critical. We've just finished uh, seven days in the prayer room here at Willow Park Church, and we're doing 21 days of prayers and, and choice of fasting and engagement. And I've asked you to believe for three things in your life that you're asking God for breakthrough. And you can receive um, a, a little uh, sheet where you can fill in your prayer cards. And I've done that for myself and put it in my Bible and every day. And it's amazing when I've got that prayer goal sheet and, and then I wake up in the middle of night for a moment. I'm kind of at that age. And then, and then I, I lay back and I think, and I just start to think of those three things that I'm praying for, God, that you'll do them, one, two, three, and then I nod back to sleep. And, and there's that, that sense of, um, of, of, of connection with that. And so in this 21 days of prayer, uh, fasting as a church, I can encourage you that, and it's great the way it all fall into place, that it's always good to pray. Now, why is it always good to pray? And what are the difficulties with prayer? Well, we understand that the difficulty with prayer and prayer is the faith to wait. 
Because sometimes we are praying for things and we're waiting for things and we, it's tough, isn't it? How many of you have been in that situation? You know, you really want God to do something and it's just not taking place and happening, yes? It's tough, isn't it? It's difficult. It's like, oh, it's so frustrating. I've learned that God's timing is always perfect, by the way. Don't forget that. But you know, when we pray and wait, you may be in a situation where it feels so difficult. I remember it feels like that moment when you've done a long international flight, of which I've done a few in my life. And you arrive at a city and the pilot tells you, I'm afraid there are problems below, weather conditions and difficulties. We are going to have to circle for a while to wait for a spot to land. Oh, have you had, it's frustrating. Happens quite a bit over Kelowna, although landing Kelowna is a bit at times. Other times it's beautiful, but other times it's scary. And, and I, I remember this happening. I'm thinking, oh, I, I, I'm frustrated. I want to land. I want to get on. But what I want to do isn't coming down, isn't landing. It happened to me when I was in Zimbabwe. And I flew back from Zimbabwe on Air Zimbabwe. Don't. And so I got over London and I'm on Air Zimbabwe. I'm not saying Air Zimbabwe is terrible. I'm just saying that the toilets are outside. And it's just tough, you know, you on the wing. Wah! And... And I was on air Zimbabwe, and the pilot comes and says, hello. Thank you. We have problems landing. I'd spoken to him earlier. He, he assured me he could fly the plane. he just finished high school. And, and we were circling for a few hours. And, and we had to end up in Amsterdam because he announced over the plane, I am terribly sorry but I'm not qualified to land this plane in these weather conditions. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Zimbabwe, they only have four planes. And, and the president mainly uses them. And I was like, really? So we landed because of the certain levels of fog conditions and the way the plane was fitted, apparently. And, and we landed and in Amsterdam, and I sat there waiting while watching British Airways take off to land in London. All those RAF guys while watching KLM take off and land, while watching Air Canada ski away. And... And so you, it was this, but we feel frustrated. But I know that actually I probably want to land at London at the right time, in the right way, under the right circumstances, correct? Because sometimes life's a bit hairy and we want the timing to be right. And part of this is trusting that like Nehemiah, we have to wait and pray. You may be 
longing to grow in education, longing to go to university, longing to grow in what you have, and yet it's not coming together, and you haven't got the money to pay for that, and you're, you're thinking, oh, this waiting is killing me. You've got dreams, you've got vision, but the waiting is killing me. You may be in a job, and the job is so consuming, you don't have time to plan for those business plans, and the waiting is killing you. Maybe people are standing there and looking at you and saying, oh, you haven't got enough experience to do this, and the waiting is killing you. Maybe what you know is that you look and your family It's so busy. You've got so many kids. They're running all over the place. You've got this great vision, great ideas, and yet you don't get a time to breathe between going to work, between all the chores, bouncing the kids up and down. You're exhausted. You might say, oh, I've got this vision, but I can't do it. You might say, oh, I live in the wrong part of the country. If I lived in a different part of the country, then my vision would work. If I had this, I need to move. It's difficult. I, I, it's hard in this part of the country. It's so difficult. It may be I am completely locked down with debt. And I can't move forward until I deal with the debt. But to move forward to deal with the debt, I need to have time to implement the plan to rebuild the walls. But it is so difficult and I feel as if I am trapped and I am stuck. You see, when God has given you a vision, part of having that vision is being willing to pray. But part of the hardness in that vision, the difficulty, is waiting for God to come through. And so our inactivity that we're not moving forward can result in the death of a vision that has been placed in us. And yet the inactivity, the waiting period, is the period where God can do the most in your life. Where God can do something incredible. Because waiting doesn't necessarily mean that your vision is dead by any means. And it's amazing in the Nehemiah story how God can use one man utterly devoted to him in prayer, in scripture, to change the history of Israel, rebuild a city and create a platform for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to return to. It's amazing. And so we can learn a lot from Nehemiah. And we can understand that faith. So let's pick up the story in chapter 2. In the month of Nisan, in the 12th year of King Artaxerxes, when the wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This cannot be nothing but sadness of the heart. Now, Nisan there is a month in the ancient calendar. And it is the month actually between March and April, which tells us something from the whole story. And take my word for this at this precise moment, that since he inquired about Jerusalem and since this moment, four months has passed. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, 
What has been going on in those four months? What has been taking place in those four months in that time before this remarkable moment where suddenly the opportunity arises and something incredible happens and something amazing takes place? I was very much afraid. He's terrified. He's got a good reason to be um, Artaxes wasn't known for being a very nice king. He was known to be ruthless. He was known to, to engage in genocide. If you upset him, he could say, off with your head. And Nehemiah was probably thinking about his head at the moment. He was thinking, I love God, but this guy, as many of them were, is a despot, is a ruler. He is in absolute control. You have to look after them. You have to tiptoe around them. You have to say, oh, you are wonderful. You are marvelous. Live forever, great king. You are incredible. Your hair looks great today. And I was... I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Good line. See what I'm saying? Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins? Of course, the Babylonians did that. And its gates have been destroyed by fire. You see, what was going on in this period? He had a vision. The vision was simple, to rebuild the mighty walls of Jerusalem. He was a cupbearer, a civil servant, and he needed the opportunity to make a difference with the king, and he needed to pray. And I believe in the four months, he was not wasting his time, but he was praying. He was being combining two things, faith and patience. And it is faith and patience and being still and waiting on God that is often the key for you to move forward in what God has given you. And we have to be comfortable with stillness. We have to calm our hearts, rest our minds, trust our God and say, yes, God has it. I'm I'm in that position of circling. But in my prayerfulness, this is the in between time and God can do a lot in those four months. God can do an incredible amount. So don't give up praying. Hebrews 6.12 says, we do not want to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherited what has been promised. I think Nehemiah portrayed that faith and that, that patience to reflect what God is doing. To wait, it's not easy to be in that position. It's not easy that you are are there waiting and having that faith. You see, Exodus reminds us, you want the mighty Red Sea to part, you better stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. But you've got to stand still. You're a woman who is lost, a widow, No hope, living as a peasant, and just sit still and you're waiting for your king's man redeemer to come and to rescue you. You're a psalmist 
who realizes that you need the presence of God at work, and it's tough, and you need to be still and know that I am God. You see, I think Nehemiah understood that prayer and waiting is a combination to fulfill the vision of which God has put in your heart. Maybe you're waiting for that loved one to come to salvation. Maybe you're waiting for that situation at work to change. Maybe you're looking for that next step in your life. Maybe you're looking at your family situation. You need it really to change in a big way. And you're waiting. And it's this, this, this ability to wait and to pray to not allow. And realize that the inactive time is actually an active time where God can be at work. He used this time to prepare for the day when God would release him to pursue his vision. He did not, didn't allow the downtime to discourage or distract him. He didn't allow his dreams to die in this downtime. He used the time for prayer and an important word now here, planning. Because when you are waiting, you can use the time for prayer. And when you are waiting, you can use the time for planning. And maybe you're not even a Christian this morning, and that's great to welcome you, or you're a little distant. But this also applies in in our own lives. That we can actually use those gap periods to understand that I can, I can, I can... Wait and I can plan. What happens when we wait and we pray? Can I explain to you the advantages of waiting and praying? You're waiting and praying and this gives you an opportunity to keep looking and looking out because continuously praying about an issue opens your eyes to see the horizon and you can gaze and see. Keeps you looking. When you wait and pray, secondly, what happens is that it keeps the vision refreshed in your life. It keeps it fresh. It keeps it in front of you. I'm waiting and praying on three issues in my family life as you are waiting and praying perhaps on three issues in your family life. Michelle and I have agreed to pray about these three issues together and we're agreeing on the three issues and we're taking different steps to fast in different ways about these three issues. But while we're focusing on these issues, it keeps the issues fresh and alive within our walk within our conversation with what we're looking. In other words, we're looking at the landscape of what we're facing and we can pray and see the change in the landscape because we're looking through prayer. And when you look through prayer, you often see things you didn't expect to see. You understand things you didn't expect to understand. And you see the goal clearly. And if there is an intervention and a change that God is using... Because you are in prayer, you can see what God is doing, right? So you've got to see things with your spiritual eyes. But let's move on to the second point, is that prayer, the faith to ask. You have to be willing to ask. 
We have to be willing to say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask at this moment. I'm going to step out and and I'm going to do something and I'm really going to ask. I've got my plan. I've prayed it through. What was his plan? Well, basically his plan went like this. I will pray for an opportunity and often what we don't need, and we'll get to this, is just we need an opportunity. Often in the waiting, we need to pray for an opportunity that something will happen, but we'll get to that in a moment. But he's praying and he's planning. And as he's planning, his plan comes together. He, first of all, his plan is, I am praying for an opportunity when the king will notice me and with my sadness and with my sad face, and I will be there and the king will see and I will be noticed and then I will be able to ask him, Carefully, O king, live forever. And I'll be able to ask him cautiously, O queen, you're looking great today. And I will be able to do this, you see. And then what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to ask him for the cash to rebuild the walls. Oh. And then what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to ask him for two letters. One letter for safe conduct all the way through the land so I get a guard. And the second letter to the leader of the king's timber and forest so I get the wood to rebuild the forests. Right. Then what? Well, my next thing is I'd like the king to make me the governor of Judea. Okay. And then I'd like him, having been made the governor of Judea, I would like the king to allow me the power to organize all the people to rebuild the walls. That's amazing. So let me get this straight. This is the king that his generations and forebearers are responsible for the burning down of Jerusalem. And this is a rebellious city that hates anybody ruling them. Yes. And you're going to go to this king, right? And you're going to say, give me the money, give me the letters, make me the governor, give me the people and the authority, and let me bring construction to the site, and I will construct the walls. Isn't that amazing? It's almost like Nehemiah's Canadian. Because you love to build things. You know, get the planning, get the permission, get this, build my house, do this, do that, build something, construct it, and go for it. You see what I'm saying? He was praying, but it's pretty clear that he had a plan. And while he was waiting, he was still planning and moving forward. And he's waiting for the opportunity. Now, it may surprise you, I believe in the power of prayer, but I believe in the power of planning. I believe in planning while I'm praying, and while I'm planning and praying, God will show me more and reveal more. And as I move forward, he is with me until the opportunity arises, and I'm terrified, and I step forward, and I ask him, and I say to the king, what is it you want, the king says. Big moment. Then I pray to God, quick prayer, quick prayer, quick prayer. God, keep me alive while I ask him. I've got a bit of a list prepared. I've practiced this pitch quite a lot, you know. Then I pray to God of heaven. Good thing to do, the God of heaven. And I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight... Let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Straight in there. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked him, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? This is going rather well at this point. 
It pleases the king to send me, so I set time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have a letter to the governor of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judea. Here it comes. And may I have a letter to Ashfaf, the keeper of the royal park, so he will give me the timber to make the beams and the gates and the citadels and the temple for the city or the walls and for the uh, residents I will occupy. Can you build all of this? Can I have it all and become... The gracious hand of my God was on me, and the king granted me the request. I bet he walked out there thinking, there is a God. There really is a God. Nehemiah had to wait for the invitation before he could share his burden with the king. But this is the truth about you and I. But we can come to the throne of grace at any time, with any need, in any way, with no fear, with no apprehension, with no anxiety. Because the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Lord of all creation, the line of the tribe of Judah, the God of all things, he is your father. He is seated on the throne, yes. And Christ is there on the right hand side. But let me tell you the glorious thing. You are free to approach this throne and ask and seek and ask God to do mighty things. You are free. Hebrews 4.14 tells us this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let's make it clear who this is, let us hold firmly to the faith we pursue. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, so he understands. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. So that we may receive mercy. You may not fully understand this. You may be new to Christianity. You may be new to Willow Park Church. But let me tell you, when you connect with God, God connects with you. You can approach God with your requests about your problems and your difficulties, your personal vision, your life. And you can approach God with confidence. No fear. See, the word confidence actually means... Free speech, freedom of speech. There's a lot of talk about freedom of speech these days. But let me tell you, in the purest spiritual sense, you are free to pray. You are free to come to the throne. You are free to stand before God because of Christ the high priest. And you can speak freely about your fears, freely about your visions, freely about your dreams. You can plan. You can work it out. You can talk it through with the Lord. You can speak freely. You can write it down. You can survey the land. You can speak freely because the walls of your life, where they are broken down, God wants to rebuild it. And often what we do not need... What we do not need is is kind of to sit on our hands and wait for a supernatural miracle where suddenly it will drop into our laps. 
What we need is opportunity, and God can create that opportunity. And I often see that as a supernatural miracle, because there's nothing more remarkable than Nehemiah. But Nehemiah asked for even more. Faith to ask, and wisdom to ask, and wisdom of how to move forward. And every area of your life, turn your daydreams and your dreams into vision. Turn your vision into prayer. Turn your prayer into planning. Keep your planning in prayer and look towards those broken walls and see God change your life and your world and rebuild your life. But get your Bibles open like Nehemiah. Understand the promises. Get your journals going. Understand this and pray for opportunity. You see, I may be trying to win my friend to Christ and I may be praying that he'll just suddenly see God and an angel will appear for him. But actually what I should be praying for is that God will give me the opportunity to have a really good, honest, open conversation with him. I, I, I'm praying for my child because they're going in a certain direction and I've got a vision for the way that our family should be and I'm praying for some intervention, that's good, but I should be planning for an opportunity where I can impart some powerful wisdom into my child's life. I'm looking at my marriage and I'm not so happy with the way it has become and the walls are broken down and I'm praying for an opportunity to bring God's wisdom and power to rebuild the walls. And by the way, if you haven't seen the film on Netflix, War Room, make sure you watch that film about a praying wife for a husband. It is brilliant. I watched it, I loved it, and I just loved it. Anyway, you don't often hear me promote Netflix. Um, But it is amazing. You can get it from the local Christian store. So what opportunity? What are you planning for? What are you believing for? Where are you daydreaming and it needs to become vision, it needs to become prayer, and it needs to become planning? And have you forgotten that you can boldly come and ask and come before the King of Kings and the Lords of Lords? Let's stand together. Let's pause. And let's be still before the King of Kings. It's been a beautiful morning. And I'm so good to share with our church family, to share with you this morning, these thoughts. Because I know that so many of you are in the waiting period. You're circling your London. It's a bit scary, but you've got to trust I know that you've got plans and you're in that period of time. And I'd love to pray for you as your pastor that these visions and plans will come into place. Let me remind you that small group notes, coffee notes, discussion notes and research is all on the web for these sermons. You can download the PDF to do more praying and thinking. But even now... Maybe you're in that waiting position. You've got a vision. You've been inactive, but you want God to be with you. Just for a moment, so I understand. 
Just raise your hand if you're holding on to a vision for something, but it's, you're waiting at the moment. You're waiting at the moment for God to work. So many of us, you're waiting for that breakthrough. Lord, I thank you for this most wonderful congregation, for our church and for these members that are waiting, as I am, waiting for three key issues, Lord. You know them. I've named them before you 12 times a day, it feels like. And they're naming their issues before you and they're waiting for the moment, the opportunity, the door to open, for it all to fall into place. And Lord, I pray this morning you will infuse them with faith and you will bless their plans, energize their vision and learn from great Nehemiah who wasn't a prophet, He was a civil servant who was used by God. And for all of us, we don't feel so like Elijah, Lord. We feel more like Nehemiah, terrified, doing our job, but looking for the opportunity. What you can do with one man, one woman, who is solely sold out for you and obedient to wait on you is incredible. And I pray that we will be that people in Willow Park Church. In Jesus' name, may we be still before our God.